Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Welcome in, fellow nerds from the WBNS studios in Columbus. This is Nerd Association. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. And uh, today on Nerd Association, we're going to be uh, approaching a much more serious topic. You know, we are in our infancy as a podcast, but when we started Nerd Association, it was all about tackling passionate topics with people who are passionate about them. And we usually refer to that as being a nerd about something. But we also don't want to seem flippant when we turn our our sights on something like police brutality, about racial inequality, and about tackling those issues uh, and how to be most effective in helping you know friends and family members who are people of color. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about that today. We wanted to use our platform to try to elevate uh, that conversation and talk about it. And so we've asked uh, producer and occasional co-host of Carpenter and Rothman uh, on our home station here, 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. Matt Hayes often referred to on the air affectionately as Matty Ice. Matt, I know that you know you talked on Carpenter and Rothman a little bit yesterday about how this has been affecting you and, and weighing in on what it means. Can you talk a little bit to our listeners about, you know, most recently... Uh, the killing of George Floyd, but countless incidents like this. How do that? How does that weigh on you? Yeah, and first of all, bef- before I dive into that, you guys are awesome for having me on. So I just wanted to say thank you for that, uh, Daniel and Mark Chops. Well, you know, you guys are my guys with phenomenal beards. So I, I love you guys for bringing this up in a very you know serious time, and it's heavy for me. It's heavy for guys like you that are actually care about things like that. And yeah, I mean, this is something that has always really affected me in an emotional way. And the reason that does that is because one, this is something that people that look like me, people that are lighter shades of color than me, um, that we deal with on a, a daily basis all the time. Maybe not you personally, but people that look like you around the world. It happens all the time. And when we have these very, very gruesome, serious issues come up, and now we live in a world to where these are being recorded and being thrown out on Twitter and other social media platforms and going viral. And when you, as an African-American man who is going to turn 30 next year, can have a real moment with himself, and it's a sad moment that you can have, and, and I have it periodically, more often than I want to, thinking that at any given moment, that could be me. And that's a really tough pill to swallow. And before I dive more into that, I I, I want to throw it out there that I know that everyone that suits up and defends us as a country, whether it's police or in the Navy or in the Army or whatever you may do, there are not a ton of these people out there. I know this is not everybody that's on the under the same umbrella that we label as a bad umbrella or bad apples. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But the scary part of this is when you see these videos out there that these people really do exist. There are people out there that have evil hearts and really want to do harm to people of color for no reason. And when you watch the George Floyd video, and if you haven't, I highly suggest that you do so because Because even if you are not a person that wants to warm up to people of color for whatever reason, watch the video and just replace George Floyd with your brother, your daughter, 
your wife, your husband, someone that you really care about, and sit there and watch that video that's 8 to 10 minutes long and watch that man call for his life and tell me that doesn't impact you if that's someone that you love. And that's why I think something like this that is so serious and so scary should be taken so serious. And the sad part about this is we finally got to the point to where it feels like, it really feels like, that we may make a turn in a positive direction, and that's what I'm hopeful for. But I'm not going to be naive enough to sit here and think that this is going to be put to bed right away because these people that do things like this, and it's sad to say, but I think I can throw this word out there, enjoy doing things like this are still in the system. And the saddest part about all of this, and I'm sure you guys have seen it, even Beyond the George Floyd incident, which is now out there and put to bed and rest his hole. And I'm hoping that his family and everyone involved is taken care of. And I know there's people out there like former NBA player Steven Jackson, who stood at the podium and it was powerful. And he turned around and looked at his daughter's face and said, I'll walk you down the aisle. I'll be with you. Like, that's what it's all about. So things like this, guys, and I'm sorry if I've just been rambling on because my mind's all over the place because my heart is really in this. But the one thing that I want people to realize is that there are people of color out here that every single day get treated unfairly. And now we're to the point to where every single day people are walking out scared for their lives, not because they went out and did something wrong and they robbed a bank or they stole somebody's money or anything crazy like that, which you deserve punishment, not to lose your life, but lose punishment. But the fact that you can go out and lose your life because of a blank check or because you're wearing a hoodie in a neighborhood and somebody thinks that you're up to something sketchy and they can take your life, that's a tough, tough thing for us to deal with. And it's something that has not gone away. And I'm hoping that it's going to go away. But like I said, fellas, I'm not going to be naive enough to think that this is going to be something that goes away in the snap of a finger. So uh, that I'm glad that you guys brought me on. But on the George Floyd front, like I said, if you haven't watched this thing, and it's tough to watch, but watch this man beg for his life on camera and watch the police officer's face. And walk in his eyes, and there's no remorse, there's no pity, there's none of that. This is something that, I don't know if he enjoyed it, but he didn't care what happened to George Floyd, obviously. And that's sad, that you have humans out there that are being treated like dogs in the street over something as simple as what he died for is utterly ridiculous, and it scares the crap out of me, fellas. Yeah. I have to ask you, I mean, you you said it yourself, so there's something about... Unfortunately, p- police brutality against people of color is not new. It's very it's an old thing in our country and around the world. And there have been even in this year or in the past several years incidents that have been filmed. I mean, Ahmaud Arbery is, a, is an example of that. Yep. What does your gut tell you? What is different about this? Why is there now the protesting and and the the outcry that that could have come before this? I think when you look at the level that the protesting has gone to, I think it's finally a point of we've reached the boiling point. When I say we, we as people of color have reached the boiling point because you're you're dead on, Daniel. This is something going back to the 60s. You can do your homework on police brutality and just how black people were treated. But this is a decade on top of decade on top of decade issue. And you talk about Emmett Till and what his mother wanted people to realize what those cops did to her son. And you can have all these other examples, whether it's Eric 
Garner or Michael Brown or Breonna Taylor or Trayvon Martin. But to get back to your question, Daniel, I think now where you have prominent white people of power who can come out and not only just put their name on it, right, or throw out a hashtag on Twitter or anything on IG, but it seems like some people that can really make a change that don't look like us are finally willing to do something. And when you have, whether it's commissioners or athletes or school president or whatever the case is, sheriffs themselves that are marching with people, whatever it is, that's why I think now you have the people that are completely fed up with it. And I think on the other side, you finally have people that talked about it, but now we're finally walking it at the same time, joining forces. And I think now, not even just here in the U.S., but I'm sure you guys have seen it. There have been other countries, other cities around other countries that have made stands for George Floyd, George Floyd, excuse me, and other people of color. So that's why I said I'm encouraged about where we are right now, even as ugly as it is. You can see some people that maybe weren't as involved in previous years starting to say, you know what? I watched that George Floyd video and that was absolutely disgusting. That has to stop. And I think that's why, Daniel, you're starting to get more of an outcry than we did before. Maddie, I love to hear that you're encouraged by everything that's going on right now and that people are more passionate than they've ever been before about these protests uh, against police brutality and the way black people are treated sometimes systemically in this country. And with that, I would wonder what what would you hope comes out of this? What would you hope the reform be is that if people finally start listening to these protests, what are some of the things you've heard or ideas you've had that you would like to see possibly enacted or expanded? Well, here, here it's pretty simple. One for me is I would hope and pray that people that have issues of color can one day see us and not automatically be threatened. Because I think that's a real thing. And that also expands to other people that look completely different. We all fall into stereotypes. And I think there are people that really buy into that. And like you said, that's a systematic issue. That's a historical issue. In a lot of cases, sometimes that's a family issue when things like that are passed along inside of a mindset before young um, white children can even get the chance to know African-Americans. They're told to stay away from us. Don't do this. Don't do that. When in reality, all of us humans are built differently. And all of us like and do different things. And I think a lot of us can, if we actually give each other a chance, can sit down and maybe not always get on the same page, but understand that just because he or she looks a certain way or dresses a certain way or has tattoos on this, that, this or that part of their body. They're not what's perceived in a negative light from the people that want to throw us all under that same umbrella. So that's the first thing that I would hope for, Chops, is that people will one day just see us as an equal. And I honestly think that's all we want. Actually, I know that's all we want. We don't want anything from white folks as far as what they can hand to us. We understand that those things aren't going to happen. There's a saying out in the black community where we have to work twice as hard just to get half the distance as some of those people, right? And that's a real thing. And that's what we feel. So that's what I hope for. And now when you talk about some of these other things, man, I'm hoping that the punishment for things like this become much harsher than what they are because the other part and going back to kind of Daniel's deal here is when you talk about the reaction that we're getting is we as black folks and there's mothers and fathers and grandmothers and, and grandfathers that are watching their grandchildren and children be killed cold-blooded in the street and then you see some of these stories where these people are not getting the punishment that they don't deserve we've got George Zimmerman who's walking around 
as a free man who has who's had time to just walk around. And you don't think that makes us sick as people that know that those people can get away with taking our lives and still not get the punishment they deserve. Because a lot of these things is they'll go in and they'll come up with some type of health excuse as to why his he lost his breath or his air, whatever it is. There's all these different stories to where you can look at and see how the legal system has found a way to let these people off in a way that they shouldn't be let off. So those are two things, man, that I'm really hoping that can come out of this thing is one, when you see us, just see us as equals. That's all we want. You don't have to be best friends with us. You don't have to communicate with us. But the fact there are people out here hunting us down for no reason is an issue because we are not calling for people to to not punish us when we deserve punishment. We get that. That's not what we're calling for. We are calling for, can we just go about our day and be normal people without having to worry about, oh, well, if I get pulled over, like myself, and this is me personally speaking, I better have my wallet on the seat. I better have my wallet in the cup holder. And like I said, not because I have a thought that all of these cops are bad. I know they're not. It's the fact that as a black man, I can't take the risks, man. I can't take the risk of, well, you know what? I got to reach in my glove compartment. And that could be the one excuse as to why he could pop off and take my life. I can't take that risk. It's something that we deal with. So those are the two things, man, that I'm hoping for is to see us as equal. And when these stupid, ignorant things do happen again, let's make the punishment so harsh that they don't even think twice about doing something like that. That's all I can hope for. I wanted to kind of get your take on, you know, so much of the time when protests come along and the the rallying cry Black Lives Matter comes along. There is a, con- a contingency of people who probably would not call themselves racist who say, well, no, all lives matter. Can you talk to those folks about the wrongness of that thinking or sure. why or why that dilutes the issue? Yeah. And, and, no, and I'm glad that you asked me that question because I am not ignorant enough to sit here and try to put the Black Lives Matter or black folks on more of a pedestal because of the issues that we're going through. I love my black people. I understand the struggle. I'll always be with them. But this is a big issue for us because the All Lives Matter thing, while that may be true, that's not the spotlight that we're in. It's not time for that. It's time to shed light on the black people that are losing their lives, that are dealing with these unfair, unjust issues every single day. So when you have that come out, and for those people to try to shift the focus back to something that is a real issue, but the timing of it is absolutely a problem, it irks me. It really does. Because any other time, I'll stand with those people. I'll acknowledge when other people of color and non-color are done wrong for unfair and unjust reasons. But for those people right now to be selfish and try to make it about everyone when it's not about everyone right now, I have an issue with. So that to me is a big time problem. And I hope that people can get off of that because this isn't something that we're trying to grasp onto and really try to jam it down everyone's throat that doesn't want to hear it. For the folks that want to hear it, We'll throw out the Black Lives Matter stuff, but for the other people on the other side of the fence, Daniel, to shift the focus is something that does not sit well with me. And like I said, any other time, I'm with you, man. I am with you, women and men that think like that right now. But I think you should take a look in the mirror and realize right now there are black people and colored people in this, excuse me, in this world that have a much bigger issue. Because I always ask, what would be the reaction if we started getting 
black cops killing white people on camera. I think I know what the reaction would be, and I think I know what the outrage would be. So that's why I can't understand where people try to throw that right back in our face when we're trying to stand for something that is a current issue in our world. I saw on social media this week, and I think this is an interesting, for folks in that camp of All Lives Matter, someone posted the the, the American flag with the blue stripe down the middle, you know, this blue lives matter. And in the comments of that, someone said, well, what about you know, garbage men and women, what about postal carriers? What about fast food workers? And the, the, the original poster replied, well, well, they're not under attack right now. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you get it. And, and I, you know, you said it earlier, and I think it's important to say, like, the police system in America is built on systemic racism. That does not mean that all people who wear a badge are bad people. Yep. It doesn't mean that, but, but they're part of a bad system. <laughs> and a system that has allowed things like that to, to happen and, and for them to get away with. And mm-hmm. so I think you can support you can support a person who wears a badge, but ask them, what are you doing to make it better? I don't think those two things are incongruous. An example of something like that that I saw was a lot of people are saying, you know, in response to the protest, because there's been the riots and the looting mm-hmm. and stuff along with that. And a lot of people have been saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll agree that, you know, one bad apple makes the cops all bad when we can agree that all the protesters just because of their bad apples they're like and right. the the reason that's backwards is because there's no system around the protesters these are just people getting together there you can't fire somebody from the protest you can't right. hold them accountable there's no system like yeah. but in the cops that's what we need in the police system is that these cops are held accountable when they break these rules and honestly yeah when they're murdering black people in the street they need to be held accountable and that's why that these these one-to-one comparisons people try to make are never one-to-one. Right. Yeah, no, and I think you guys nailed it. I think it's really well said. And when you talk about these protests that we all want to be peaceful, uh, there's a part of me that does not like when local businesses are, you know, beat up or things like that. But what else is it going to take for us to get your attention? That's where Mm -hmm. we are. And I'm not speaking for me as somebody that would go out and do those things, but I'm just letting you know what the mentality is of the African-American community and others that are supporting the African-American community throughout these protests. So I am always in the camp of, I want to do this peacefully. I know Martin Luther King stood for that, but I also, I don't think we can be naive enough to think that that's what everyone is going to do because there are people out there that have always protested, that have been outside of you know big city buildings and stood in front of police officers and things like that. And we get more George Floyds and we get more Eric Garners. So the people that are in that mindset, I would not be with them as far as physically harming people and things like that. But I also can't sit here and say that I don't understand it because I do understand it. And that's why when you talk about locally, even here in Columbus, I got so much respect for Buckeye basketball player Seth Towns, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is a guy that has not played a single second on the Ohio State basketball floor yet. Local guy went to Harvard and came back. And for him to go out there and have the guts to do that and be pushed around by cops. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. He was being shoved back by cops. He He was holding his arms to his chest. Like And then you see, guys, some of the videos that are still transpiring, where I saw a video today where a cop had, white cop had a guy arrested, he spit on him. 
right? And that's what we're doing. These hidden cameras where people are in trees and you know, behind trees taking cell phone videos of these cops doing these dirty things still today and yesterday, right? Yeah. Like, that's why I want to acknowledge guys like that and the other people that are out there. But for him, a young dude like that, to step up in front of police and peacefully protest and be physically touched by police, cannot imagine what his heart rate was at that moment because it had to cross his mind that what I'm standing for is what I should be standing for, but also this could go left very, very quickly. So I am all for the protests out there. I just want everyone to be safe and do it the right way because I don't want us to back down, but I also don't want our people to be more harmed than what they already are. We got to get our message across, but I think we got to do it in the smart way, and I think the majority of people are doing that right now. Well, and you talked about Martin Luther King, and of course, you know, he's known for uh, pushing for nonviolent protests, but he was also the one that said that violence is the language of the unheard. Yep. And I think when you talk about protests, you know, destruction of property is is controversial, but like if you're going to do it, I, people are probably going to succumb back on me for saying this. Break the windows of the state house. Put, you know, Trump push down light poles that are that belong to city governments. You don't you don't have to go and attack these private businesses to get the point across. And in fact, I think it just gives ammunition. I mean, again, I'm not encouraging people to do that. Mm -hmm. But if that's where your mind is, attack the establishments. You can riot without the looting of private businesses. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I think it's that's a good point. So I want to talk about something that you said about, you know, you have to work twice as hard as a person of color to go half the distance. So that's, you know, that's the saying. Uh, I think we want to talk about being an ally one of the steps to doing that is for white folks to realize their privilege. You you saying that was interesting because I was I was watching a video from Emmanuel Acho, who's he's you know former NFL linebacker. He's now on ESPN. He started putting out a series of videos. The first one came out on Monday called "Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man," where he kind of addresses some of the questions that his white friends ask him about race relations, and he brought up that example as well. But it's uncomfortable for me, for someone who looks like me. To say, you know what, I am white, and I do have privilege, and I am part of the problem. It's an, it's not a comfortable conversation, but guess what? Like, if I feel that uncomfortable with something like that, like, how do you, you've talked about how you feel on a day-to-day basis. Like, it is uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable, and I'll give you guys an example. We, uh, me and my friends, about four or five of us black guys, we were at a bar. And we had been there for hours, guys. Hours on end. I think it was a Saturday. We were mm-hmm. just hanging out, watching college football, eating food, drinking our drinks, and having a good time. And uh, probably about halftime of the 3.30 slot games, because we were there right around once and stayed until about 4 or 5 o'clock, one of the managers approached us and threw out kind of a, hey, we're going to need you guys to either purchase something or leave. And... We, as black guys, that did not sit well with us because we had known, right, that we were there for hours, spending plenty of money. And somewhere behind the counter, back in in the kitchen, there was a conversation to where we were pointed out as not doing something correct or just sitting there and doing something wrong. Now, can I go in and say that that was full on racism? I don't know what his mentality was, but I do know that we were only eh, probably a couple other handful of black people in the bar. And for us to be singled out for doing something that we did not do is an example of little things that can get into our mind as 
to why we deal with the things that we deal with. So I don't know if that example was great for you guys. I have other examples and things like that. But that's one thing that we as black people deal with is that sometimes you can go out do what you're supposed to do, spend all the money in the world, sometimes spend more money than the white people at the bar because that's happened too, right? Yeah. And you can still be pointed out as not doing something right because of the way you look. And that, to me, is something that I will never forget because that goes to the stereotype that you've got black guys coming in. And my, and my friends, they played football. So I'm talking guys in basketball that are 6'3", 6'4". You get guys that got tattoos and things like that. So that goes back to the stereotype of what I'm talking about, of things that we deal with, is that you can't even go out to a public place and still, and you're doing the right thing, and we tip well and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and you still get called out just because of the way you look. That's what we deal with. You, you kind of touched on this idea that you don't want to think the worst. And I think as a, as a white person, and I grew up in a pretty, you know, old school, quote unquote, old school non-diverse part of southeastern ohio uh -huh. right so i think there you i have certainly heard the person who would hear that story and go yeah but and i think maybe the first step in in becoming an ally and help is like don't let your first reaction be yeah but right like you telling that story that's that's not that's no good like we should all be able to agree like that's not the way people in general especially it should be treated right yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can honestly say nothing like that has ever happened to right. me when it's not warranted, when I wasn't doing something that should get me kicked out of somewhere. And th that just, yeah, the, you hear countless stories like this of black people who have experienced this kind of discrimination just out there. And Maddie, one thing I would ask you is one thing I've encountered is the older, the next generation up, like my parents and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think they view themselves racist in any way i don't think they are but i think there is a tendency especially coming from a community similar to daniel's it's predominantly white we don't really deal with this stuff very often from you know where i'm from down in southwest ohio yeah what would be your message to people like that who see these who see the coverage on the news and only focus on the destruction and things sure. like that and don't understand what the message really is right now well i, I would i would hope that they would give people a chance because you guys are direct family members, obviously from those people that, and maybe not those people, but people of that age bracket, right? Grew up in the era of real racism, right? In the sixties yeah. and the seventies when those things were happening. And maybe all those people are not like that, but maybe in the back of their minds, that's what they grew up on. So maybe it's just an inherent root in their brain. And when it comes out, they don't know how to necessarily go about it. And they may not be judging us fully or maybe full on racist, but it's all they know. So to get to your question, Chops, I, I just think that, like, it goes back to earlier, man. I, I just think if you give people a chance, not even just us, but people in general, and take a second and then judge, that can be helpful. Because I'll give you guys an example. I had one of my best friends to this day, white guy named Kelly, and we are tremendous friends. And I'll get to the other part because I grew up in Pickerington as well, just to add some more kind of insight to that angle as well. But Kelly, my friend that I was just referring to, is from one of the smallest towns that I've ever been to. It's called Brownstown, Indiana. And I remember the first time I went there, I mean, we're driving through the hills, we're driving through the farms and all of that stuff. Right. And he told me, you're probably going to be the only black guy in the city within 20 miles. 
And I got a little nervous about that. But I knew that I had a lot of love for him, and he had a lot of love and respect for me, and it went back and forth. And I knew that he wouldn't put me in danger. But the one thing that I would never forget from that week was the reaction that I got walking into restaurants and walking into his friend's house. But the one thing that was so great about that entire weekend was the people that I got to talk to that openly admitted to me, I've never met a black person in my entire life, but I'm so glad that I got to meet you because it lets me know that there are good people out here in this world that I may have had a stereotype about just because of the way they looked. So I will never forget that. I've got a lot of stories similar to this because I play baseball and I've had, I have a lot of white friends to this day. And that stuck out to me so well. And I didn't get offended by it because I knew it was something that I was walking into already. But for me, as a black man, be able to go into somewhere to where people had those stereotypes and I could break through that seal and show them we're cool people. We're all right. It's okay. We're not this. We're not that was something that I absolutely will cherish for the rest of my life because I can make, I made an impact on those people's lives in a positive way to where maybe they can look at other black people and maybe uh, have other black friends. And if I had any part in that, that to me is pretty dope. And the other part, just to go back to where I grew up, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. There's a lot of bad things that have happened when I was a kid in Baltimore, Maryland, directly to my family. I lost a cousin to gang violence. So I know what all that is about. I've got family that struggle financially and dealt with things like that. And then I also got out of Baltimore, Maryland, thanks to my parents' jobs. And I got to come to Columbus, Ohio. And we found ourselves in Pickerington, Ohio, which was a wake-up call for me because I was allowed around a lot of white people and it was never anything in our household to where we saw color never in my life was i brought up to treat anyone any differently because of the way they looked and that's the one thing i will always love and respect my parents for is that you give everyone a fair chance if they do you wrong then we can cancel them out but growing up in pickerington the beautiful thing about sports is i play football and i play baseball so in the fall and in the winter football is a pretty dominant african-american sport go look at the percentages in, in around college football in the nfl and then in the spring i went and played baseball which is dominated by a lot of white guys so i'm so thankful for the perspective that i have in life because i can see it from both sides of the fence and i know what's right and what's wrong because being the lone black guy on a baseball team comes with some things being a part of a football team you feel a lot more comfortable so that to me and I'm so glad you guys brought up where you're from because I think it's so important that people like you guys can be from those next of the woods and maybe have a bad apple or two that may look at us differently and you guys not be like that and you guys are two of the coolest nicest guys well thought out guys that I've met you guys are really smart and I take a lot from you guys and I know we joke around in the office and we have a lot of fun and talk about serious things as well but I learn from you guys and for us to have that type of a relationship and see each other on a daily basis and say hey what's up and crack jokes and talk trash and all that stuff and not see color and we're from different necks of the woods is all I can hope for. And that's what the beautiful thing about life is, man, is that we can always change this crap. This crap that we're in, we have the ability to change it. We just got to want to do it. That's, uh, the, you're, you're too kind. I mean, I appreciate you saying that, man. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure, though. That's serious, though. And, and Maddie, you tell me if I'm off base with this, but I, I wanted to kind of throw this out there about so many people right now are going on the internet and saying, how can I help? 
and I wanted to talk about this quote from a man named Ibram X. Kendi, who he write, he's a studies race relations and he writes for the Atlantic. And, and kind of to your question, Chops, you know, he said that one either allows racial inequalities to persevere as a racist or confronts racial inequalities as an anti-racist. There is no in-between safe space of not racist. And I think that that, boy, it's not, again, not comfortable to think about, but I think everyone has a bit of it in them, no matter who they are. Um, doesn't mean you act on it. Doesn't mean you you appreciate it about yourself. But I think that that's something that you know when you look at things like Blackout Tuesday, where where folks are po- posting you know black squares on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it may be, and that's a good first step. But like mm-hmm. you being quiet isn't do like that's not it. No, no, <laughs> Silence it's... is violence. And if you think that like taking a day to to elevate the voices of your your friends who are people of color, like, that's a good step. Mm-hmm. But that ain't it. <laughs> no, that ain't it. And then, and then it's just, we don't want to just be a hashtag or a 24-hour 24, 24 Instagram Twitter cycle. It's much heavier than that. I mean, we've got other stupid hashtags that we throw out there where every food in the book has a day now. Yeah. Those are things that you throw around for a day, and that should be just floated around as hashtags. And to get to your kind of question there, Daniel, is that, Unfortunately, I think people that are in your position and in Chop's position and all the white people that want to support us, we only have so much power. This has to come from the top down. And there has to be people within inside the government, within these police academies and all these things that are spreading the right message. Because if we don't have the leaders of our world trying to change this thing at a pretty high clip and throw out punishments that are going to scare the crap out of these people that are doing these ignorant things. I don't know how quick we're going to get a change. And that's why I told you guys when you saw some of the police officers and some of the powerful people that don't look like us taking action right now. Daniel, to get to your point, that's something that has to continue, right? Like, we've got to continue that. We need those people to continue to dig in and then then continue to take action when there's not a black person or person of color being killed on camera. We need it to be a constant message to where everyone is on the same accord, or at least the people that want to be on the same accord are on that same page, and we roll from there. But I really think that if we get people and celebrities and people in power and government, whatever it is, that people that hold a lot of weight that really dig in, that's when we'll start to see a change. Unfortunately, I don't know, because that's a whole other podcast for a whole other day where you talk about (laughs) financial implications and all that stuff and how people are affected by that. Some people don't like to go into that water, but if they're willing to do so, then we can make something happen. I think another thing that comes up and something I've noticed with myself as I get older and I meet more people and things like that, and especially working in the the media, being on the air, Mm -hmm. things like that, there are your ear changes and there are things I hear and it it happens especially at work because you got to make sure that you're you know you're not saying the wrong things and putting that out into the airwaves but I notice that I hear those things now sometimes when I'm around people I know friends whatever and maybe I don't speak up and I think maybe one step for that is to speak up now when my radio ear goes off that mm, can't say that on the air well if you can't say it on the air you probably shouldn't be saying it anywhere sure yeah. 
No, I like that a lot. And, and I think, man, it's funny, Chops, and I love that you have that and you brought your friends in too. And it's it's funny because I had a conversation with one of the guys that I played baseball in, with in high school just the other day who, who was white and he was asking me just, you know, how I felt and this and that. And he said, you know what, man, it's something that we have to take charge of inside of our own homes. You know what I mean? And that has to be something to where – it, does, it shouldn't come from a black person or we should have these conversations. It's okay to say, you know what, there's black people in this world, black friends that we have that, what are they going through? How can we help them? And that's what we're talking about is that all we want is for people to realize that we're being treated unfairly. And that's really all we want. And if we can mm-hmm. eliminate that, I, I, the positivity that would come to this world, I think would be a ton it would be so much but until we get to that point to where we have people that are really willing to dig in and change the root of their friendships and the root of their families first that's going to be an issue so that's why man i'm just really hopeful and I, i feel okay about it now but i'm just really hopeful that this was the thing that just really put everybody at a tipping point because like i said man if you watch that video your heart should just be completely broken you know to that point I, I don't know. I can't imagine that it's always helpful. You've been very gracious to come and talk to me, but I can't imagine that it's super helpful to have every white friend you know saying, hey, man, what can I do? Like, yeah. how can I help? But And you can only speak from your own personal experience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what, what, personally speaking, and I'm not talking about a systemic level. I do want to talk about that before we close. Yeah. But personally, like, what can we do? What is helpful? Well, for me, I really, I think where we are right now as kind of just a baseline deal with people standing up out on these protests is absolutely huge. I would love to see, and I don't know how you make this happen, but some type of uniformed group come about to where we have people that can speak their minds freely of all races and there's not some type of automatic inherent emotion in a negative fashion. Sorry if I'm not clarifying this, but I'm trying to pan this out as I talk. What I want is just for everyone to be heard on the same level. And and I don't know if Twitter is going to be that platform or ever. I don't know where we can make this happen, but that we have to come to a point to where everyone can freely speak their minds and we don't always want to attack. And I'm talking on both sides of this thing. Mm-hmm. And until we get to that point, or if we, if and when we get to that point, I think that's a tremendous start. So I think where we are right now with people that are white and other races that are sticking up for this Black Lives Matter movement, it's phenomenal. But beyond that, we've got to all get on the same page and find a way to consistently relay this message in a positive light on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis to these police stations to government people all over so they continue to hear it because if it becomes out of sight out of mind and then we get three months away from this thing and another person dies from police brutality we're we're, i don't think we're going to gain any ground so daniel i'm sorry if i didn't answer your question i think what i'm just trying to get to is that we need consistency Mm -hmm. with this and not just a block of time until the protests die down so sorry if that didn't answer your question but that's just what i'm hopeful for is that people that are digging in continue to do so that's all i want what you tell me what you feel man i think it's really hard to articulate too because you just want to see black people treated like white people. 
which is hard to see. Yeah. It's easy to see when a man is murdered in the street, and that happens every so often right now. Right. But it's hard to see what you want changed because all you want is for things to just be the same for everybody, which would look like nothing, hopefully. Right. Yeah. And that's the goal. Well, sure, yeah. because crime isn't just violence it's housing inequality it's job inequality it's you know it's all of these other things that again are systemic yes and you know the prison system and how people of color who can not get off on certain trials or have to serve longer amounts of time in prison or on a much more basic level who are in prison for wrongfully being accused for years on end right like those are the things that have to end and it's just little things right and it's just when we have like headlines that can come out and you can see one newspaper or whatever article or what whatever media outlet can throw out a headline that is verbalized or written out completely different than when an African-American or a Mexican or anybody of color commits a similar crime. Yeah. These are things that are very real. And there's plenty of examples to where you have mass shootings or whatever it is. And these guys, they don't put the harsh words next to their name. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's such a head scratcher for us. And it's just like, so we can have white people pit commit these horrendous crimes and take one life or multiple lives and the blow to them isn't as harsh as it would be for an African-American or a person of color. So I'm so glad that you brought those other things into the conversation as well, Daniel, because this isn't just police brutality. Mm -hmm. This is something that is well beyond that. And it's something that has been so rooted in our country for decades and decades on end that if we can just knock down or try to knock down these dominoes one at a time we can eventually get somewhere but the fact that daniel we're even having this conversation of all these other different racial outlets or the way that you know it can be you know individualized is a different racial term or punishment or whatever we want to call it is a big time problem so we're dealing with police brutality right now but like we've all said this is something that hasn't gone anywhere forever but that ain't the that ain't the end of it that's just the beginning of the racial issue that we have in this country this is such a good conversation i think we could talk about this for hours obviously we have kind of a but i want to before we close i want to talk about a list you know i've done some in preparing for today i've done some research and i kind of want both of you to weigh in and tell me what you think about these things my reason my sources just so folks who are out there listening know um, Sojourners Magazine contributor Courtney Ariel, activist DeRay McKesson, writer and activist Paul Kival, organizational change consultant Francis Kendall, uh, Simon M., who's a designer for the socially responsible gaming group E. Kendall Storytelling, and Emmanuel Acho, who I um, you know, talked about earlier. Five steps. If you are white and you want to help, and like I said, you two weigh in on this, um, these are five concrete things you can do. First thing is to understand your privilege. We talked about that. Um, you, as a white person, may be part of some other uh, disenfranchised or marginalized group, but if you are white, you've been given a head start. And, you know, this manual talked about it. Maddie, you talked about it. The idea that like, even if you didn't ask for it, you're starting uh, a 400-meter race 100 meters ahead or 200 meters ahead. Yeah. doesn't make you a monster. It doesn't. And if people, you know, just because racism is called out and white people are called out, like if you feel that that's if your if your reaction is to get defensive, ask yourself why, and doesn't mean again doesn't mean you're necessarily a bad person, but 
you know, check check it. <laughs> yeah. Figure out why that, why it's uncomfortable for and you and I think, address it. I think people get scared when that's brought up. And I like I said, the idea would not be for people with white privilege to jump down. It would be to people with white privilege to put their hand out and help black people up to that level. And yeah. then we can all start the race at the same spot. Well, no. well said, Chops. Yeah, no doubt. And that kind of talks to one of the other things, which is if you're going to protest or if you're going to join this conversation, do so as an ally. You're not the hero. Uh, you're the sidekick. And when I say that, I mean white people. In this conversation, you're not the hero. You're the sidekick. You should be there to... And you're not the victim either. No. You're there to lead the charge alongside or behind people of color who who this is their fight. Um, if you're out at a protest, you're... As a white person, your job is to be a shield because your privilege means you're less likely to be the victim of police brutality. You're there to you're there to provide distance. You're there to be a meat shield, so to speak. You're not there to escalate. You're not there to start breaking windows or, you know, setting fire to cars. That's not your job. Your job is to to be the, the hype man, if you will, <laughs> to raise up voices of people of color let them have that platform and feel as safe as possible. Because if you're in that situation and you feel unsafe, good. <laughs> that means yeah. you understand it a little bit better. Yeah. If you can't do that, you know, protesting or, or making a change takes a lot of forms. It doesn't have to be marching in the streets. It can be, or it can be writing letters to people who can make a difference. It can be donating money or supplies or time. You know, even things like going down to here in Columbus, going down to the state house where the, the protests have been and dropping off a case of water or a gallon of milk for people who get pepper sprayed. Those are seem like little things, but they can make all the difference. Maddie um, was talking about how also like the, how this has to start from the top down and yeah. a way to do that is with your wallet and with your vote. Yep. And that's things you can do without putting yourself out there really at all. That's just yeah. personal decisions you can make. And, and they don't have to be the only things, but they certainly make a big difference. I think another thing that's, you know, we are having this conversation, and I, you've been exceptionally gracious in, you know, let, talking to us about this. But I saw online, and I kind of had to laugh about it, someone say, white folks figured out how to make sourdough bread f f a month ago. You can't Google how to be, you know, how to talk about race and how to be a good ally. <laughs> like... <laughs> Really? Like, yeah. it's, I appreciate you so much for coming on and talking to us, and I think it is valuable, but it isn't, there are so many resources out there. I did, you know, in, in, the, in the time leading up to this show, Google told me all of this stuff. I'm no expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and though, thank you guys just for having me on, because I, I know for everyone involved, not just us, it's a very heavy and can be uncomfortable a lot of times, but I think to get comfortable, sometimes you got to go through the uncomfortable stage, and I think that's where we are. And if we can have these conversations like the three of us have had today, and understand just here and maybe like I said at the top you don't have to fully accept it but if you can just understand and maybe die down some of the anger or emotion or question or stereotype stuff I, I think that's a tremendous help and I, and I love that you brought those things up because it's, it's just like the little things matter like they absolutely matter when it comes to something like this and we always love throwing out terms here in our fine country right? and I think it's, it's something that we could bring into account right now don't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. It's the simplest thing, but don't judge a book by its cover because the three of us are really good friends and we didn't know each other, obviously, the first time we met each other. I'm sure your mind can go different ways about who is this guy or what is he, like whatever. 
but we actually took time, talked to each other. Hey, we really like each other. Like, that's what life is all about. And that's why I really believe that we've got so many great people in this world of all races that if you can join in right now and help the cause in a positive way, we got to do it. We got to do it because this isn't the world that we're supposed to be living in. I mean, it's supposed to be liberty and justice for all, not for a few, not for a handful. It's for everybody, right? And that's why I think we have to do this. And like, I'll, I'll just end on this. Like, I really, really believe that there are a real, some really good white people in this world. But if you do know one of those bad apples in this world, and if you can have a conversation with those people, try it. And if it's the one conversation you have with those people and they're not trying to hear it, that's okay. That's all we can ask for. But if we can get those people that are so into their ways of maybe not full on racism, but are in this stereotype world, that's a tremendous, tremendous help. And like I said, I've got tons of black friends, tons of white friends. So I know for a fact that there are people out here in this world that want to join this fight and do it the right way. And I know there's people in this world that may be even a little scared to join this fight that still are good people in their hearts. Because I understand that too, that this is a scary and real thing if you want to get involved. But I have so much hope in my heart that we can do this the right way because I know that there are good people that really want to make a change. And if you're one of those people, man, there is no better time than to stand up for our country and for people of color than right now, because 2020 has been a smack in the face for a lot of people this year. And I think it can really be a wake up call for all of us. We have a chance to reset as a country and figure this thing out and get on the right page. And like you guys are saying, voting, your money, whatever it is that you feel like you can do and make a real impact. We got to get out there and do it because all the people in this world like us that want to show love and do it the right way. We all need to be heard more so than what, when, what, how we're being heard already because the negative stuff gets too much of the spotlight. And I think if we can continue to do things like this and get our message out there to people that may not know or just may not understand, to me, that's what life is all about. And like I said, I'll just end with this. We have a real, real chance to do some good if we want to do it. Well, Maddie Hayes, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to us. I mean, this is... Again, it's not easy, but it's important. Yeah. And and I appreciate you so much and that you're staying positive and you're staying strong. Chops, I know, you know, when we talked a little bit about this, this is not an easy topic to broach, but I'm glad that we could could do this. And if you're out there listening, take it to heart. Thanks for sticking with us. And, and uh, again, we'll get back to the nerd and the jokes and all that next week. But this week, we thought this was important. So once again, uh, Matty Hayes, you can hear him each and every weekday on uh, Carpenter and Rothman either as producer or occasional co-host, uh, hardest working man in radio. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us today on Nerd Association. Well, I appreciate it, guys. And honestly, man, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for doing this and uh, keep cranking out these podcasts. And uh, hopefully, man, we'll all get back to some normalcy soon and uh, we'll be talking trash in the office. So thanks, fellas. Thanks, Maddie. And if you want to join the conversation, of course, you can find us on Twitter at nerd underscore asoc. That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. Or you can also email us nerdasoc at gmail.com. Once again, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate what you go out and do to help make our world a kinder place. And uh, we'll be with you again next Thursday. Ready?